0: Hello and welcome! Welcome to Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I am your host, Emily Wishall, and I am the author of the recently published book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. I also work as an embodiment guide and a certified rolfer supporting women in releasing body shame and really learning how to love their body exactly as it is. My intention with this podcast is to offer you a new insight and perspective on how you get to be with your body so that you can release that worn out, exhausting story of being dissatisfied with your body The more you listen to this podcast and do the practices that I suggest, the more you can expect a softening and the emergence of a gentler approach to how you view and talk to yourself. Change in the context of radical embodiment is not a diet. It is not a workout plan. Instead, it is an overhaul of the way we treat and perceive ourselves. It is the fierce application of gentleness to the gaze we offer ourselves. Hyper focus around your weight and physical appearance robs you of your energy, clarity, power, and joy. I have created a method to help you learn how to love and inhabit yourself thoroughly and deeply. Each episode of this podcast will provide healing strategies to help you become more embodied and develop a more loving relationship with your body. If you enjoy the episodes, I would be deeply grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at and download the episodes, as well as share with your friends, family, and community. Together, let's cultivate peace, serenity, and deep love for these beautiful bodies of ours. And now, to today's episode. Hey, it's Emily, and you have made it to episode eight, Tap Into Desire. I am really excited to get to share today's episode with you. It feels equally parts vulnerable for me and equally parts rich. Um, So that seems a good equation. (laughs) Um, In today's episode of Tap Into Desire, I'm going to be sharing um, a personal story from my book, Radical Embodiment. Um, I'm going to be talking about how many of us as women have been conditioned and trained to suppress our desires And how that leads us into feeling like we don't know what we want, how that leads into compulsive behaviors, and how to really be able to utilize your desire, how you can tap into your desire to increase your life force, focus, clarity, and joy. So let's begin today's episode. And I'm going to start with reading a section of my book that shares my own personal story of when I first began to shut down my desire because I felt shame. And if you've been listening to the podcast or if you've read my book, um, you know this by now, but if not, just in case to set up a little bit of framework, in my book, Radical Embodiment, chapters four through 10, take readers through the seven main limiting beliefs that I see time and time again, that keep women stuck in body hate. And so chapter eight, the limiting belief that we're looking at is I am wrong. And so from that, I'm going to just go ahead and, and read. Again, this is my own personal story and my first, one of my first memories of really suppressing my desire because I wanted to be acceptable, because I wanted to receive approval. So from that context, I will read. So I have memories of being a little girl watching land before time and underneath my blanket, I was quietly rubbing my crotch on the couch beneath me. I didn't know what I was doing, except that it felt good and I should be secretive about it. Once I was old enough to read, I snuck snuck my family's S encyclopedia into my bedroom to secretly read about sex. In the sex section, it mentioned masturbation. Aha, so that's what I had been doing these past few years. The encyclopedia went on to share how the Catholic Church viewed masturbation as a sin. This blew my Catholic kid brain, mind. Hold up, what? What I had really been doing was sinning? This was no good. I had so much desire with it, in me, and it felt fantastic. My solution, I would get married at a super young age. I was eight. I did the math. 10 years from then, I would be 18 legal to get married, that's what I would do. Having sex outside of marriage is not only viewed as a sin, but also a mortal, very bad sin within the Catholic Church. I convinced myself that I could wait 10 years until I was technically old enough to be married. Certainly I could abstain from masturbation and sex and then get married young, and enjoy sex within the confines of marriage and be a proper good Catholic girl, right? Wrong. Suppressing my sexuality was a significant piece of what I believe led me to overeating. I have one vivid memory where I hid myself in my closet with my Christmas stocking full of chocolate. I gorged the chocolate in a hurried state not wanting anyone to find me in my shameful wrong state. One may call this gluttony, that is, overindulgence or overconsumption. Gluttony is yet another mortal sin in the Catholic Church. Damn, one more way I was sinful. I never told anyone my encyclopedia discovery moment or how I used to hide myself in my closet with food until recent years didn't want to be deemed bad or be disapproved of by my family. I wanted to remain the sweet, good little Emily, the baby of the family. I tried my best at being a prudent, good little Catholic girl. I really did. I told myself how sinful I was for those wants, how wrong I was. I tried to punish myself. My understanding was that pleasure was wrong sinful, in this life to be good meant to suffer. I understood this disordered eating of chowing down on my Christmas chocolate hidden away in my closet to be sinful and bad, and that I mustn't ever tell another soul about it. And so the deep web of shame began to weave through me. Take <sighs> a breath after sharing that. And I feel like so many of us have been trained that like good girls have small appetites. Right? And so for me, in my own little story, is I felt wrong for having a big appetite. I felt wrong for shoving down all my Christmas candy. I felt wrong for feeling self-sexual. And all that I am wrong, I am wrong, I am wrong, which especially at that young of age when what I'm desiring and needing most is love, acceptance, and approval, I wasn't going to share that, those inner workings of my mind with anyone. And so I suppressed, I internalized the shame, and I just felt wrong about myself and just tried to fix it. And I think many of us subconsciously hold the belief that being, you know, girly or feminine is having a small appetite and appetite, you know, not just in regards to food, but I'm using appetite here for so much more appetite in regards to sex appetite in regards to career success appetite in regards to financial success appetite in regards to like wanting more of something. And we can be made to feel wrong for our wanting. And what I'm hoping to encourage and inspire through this episode is that we can utilize our wanting, our desire to really tap into our life force and tap into the clarity and focus that we need to really invite in more of what that And part of this training of why many of us subconsciously like hold that belief of like the feminine has a small appetite is society wants us to squelch our appetites for food and for life and instead obsess over our bodies, right? Trying with all our might to be thin so we may be loved and accepted. And I'm just going to share here, I share these in the book, three untrue degrading limiting beliefs of the feminine. And I want to preface before I share these may or may not be true for you specifically, um, or maybe they were true for you at one point in time of your life, but you have healed and transformed and moved beyond them. But when I think of like the subcurrent of society, of our culture, of what is happening on that subcurrent, that would kind of be like similar analogy to like the subconscious of society. Um, I see these beliefs as starting to shift, but they are still ingrained deeply in the way that currently we are operating in the United States culture and society. And so it feels important in this conversation around desire, around appetite and sexuality to, to name them. So the first untrue degrading limiting belief of more from like the feminine on a subconscious level is an admirable woman who is worthy of respect should only eat a small amount of food. She should eat slowly and chew thoughtfully, right? Were you ever told when you were growing up to, you know, try and chew more properly? And like, what was, there was some, I don't know her name, but there was some very, I know it was popular. I mean, this was probably more like fifties and sixties, but like, for, for young women to go and be taught how to behave at the dinner table and have table manners. And yes, you know, men and gentlemen were probably shared different like that as well. But I feel like this degree of like mannerisms and eating daintily was much more strongly enforced on young women and young girls. All right. The second untrue degrading belief is A woman who is worthy of being held in high regard should have an appropriate appetite for sex. She shouldn't feel too much sexual desire or have constant thoughts about sex as that is a thing for the guys, not for a lady. And then, and and to tie that one in, you know, just in the personal share that I um, started this episode with is all of my life. From that young of age, right? Of like rubbing my crotch and be like, Well, this feels good. I don't know what it is, and then learning, oh, that's mast like kind of it's like masturbation, and oh that's a sin, and oh my gosh, I'm so wrong, and oh my gosh, I'm just a little sweet girl. I'm not supposed to be having these constant thoughts around sex, and I'm not supposed to constantly be feeling some state of like turned onness, um, because I was also raised like not just family, but, um, just what I was seeing around me of, you know, it's guys, it's men who are constantly thinking about sex, um, not women. And we're supposed to, you know, dress a certain way appropriately to not turn them on or not make them like long for us. Um, and I was the opposite. I was always thinking about it. And part of Pavy, why that was so compulsive are always there, um, is the amount that I tried to suppress it and push it down. And I'll get here in a little bit talking specifically about suppression, shame, controlling, and restriction. But I'm going to share first the third degrading untrue belief, um, which is a proper woman shouldn't want too much in her life. She shouldn't crave more out of her career or her relationships, and she shouldn't seek more acknowledgement. She should be happy and grateful for what she has and work hard and be her most reverent self so that she can prove to herself and others that she is worthy of more. So like raise your hand. Like if you've ever felt like, you know, you just have to grin and bear it at the workplace or you just have to work extra hard or work extra hours to be able to ask for a raise. Again, these things are shifting, but we're still... You know, women are severely underpaid more than men, specifically if you are, um, you know, a a woman of a different ethnicity who is not Caucasian, who's not white, even more severely underpaid. Um, So I would imagine that might be even be more true. But I think that in general for as feminine female women, it's like we don't want to like be too much of like, oh, look at my acknowledge, you know. Accomplishments, look at what I've done, or I want to, you know, seek more acknowledgement because, again, we're made to feel wrong for doing that, right? You shouldn't be too full of yourself. And so, on this topic of hunger, so whether it be hunger for food, for more food, for more satiation, or maybe it's hunger, of like sexual hunger. Or maybe it's hunger for a new career or more, you know, like being paid more in your career, hunger for more acknowledgement. Hunger is healthy. And everyone, each of us, we have a deep biological hunger to be a part of the tribe, right? It's ingrained in us. We are hungry to belong. And if we fear that voicing what we truly want, if we fear voicing what we truly crave, what we're truly hungry for, if we fear that that is going to make us outcast, we will instead do whatever it takes to feel as though we do belong. And often doing whatever it takes involves something along the lines of not letting your needs be known and not allowing anyone to witness your full appetites for life, right? Your full appetite for life of what you want, your full appetite for food, your full appetite for sex, your full appetite for wanting to feel like you belong more, your full appetite for wanting more intimacy in your relationships. And so, your hunger isn't wrong. Sexual hunger, hunger for food, hunger for justice, hunger for a different life. All of those are your body's way of sharing something with you. I really believe that hunger, in all of those contexts, is a messenger. And when we suppress that messenger, it doesn't go away. And then we're also blocking ourselves off from receiving the gift of what is behind it. And so now I want to share on suppression, shame, controlling, and restricting. So anytime you suppress anything, that behavior or feeling becomes amplified, right? So when you reject a part of yourself because you feel wrong, because you feel shameful for it, because you're rejecting a part of yourself because you're afraid you might not belong to the tribe if you showcase that aspect of you, that aspect of you doesn't go away. Instead, it comes out in disordered ways. And so this is where compulsion and the feeling that you are out of control come from. And so to put that in context, what I'm saying here, of let's go back to the story that of myself that I shared at the beginning of the episode. So I, you know, when I first learned that what I was doing was masturbation and that was a sin and wanting to be a good little girl, because to me, being a good little girl, um, is what allowed me to receive more love and approval from my parents, from my siblings, from those in my community. And so I wanted to receive more love and approval and acceptance. I wanted to belong. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to suppress these sensations. I'm just going to suppress this I'm going to do my best so that I can like not be simple, so that I cannot be wrong. And so I pushed it down. And what happened? Those desires did not go away. Um, I did not stop doing that behavior. And it led to compulsive overeating. So when I shared about me like gorging down on the chocolate of my um, Christmas stocking, it was like compulsive in nature. I couldn't, I just like had this craving to do it and I had to do it. And I believe like the, the part of the why behind is I felt so ashamed of myself for having all of this like sexual desire within me. I felt so wrong. I didn't know what to do with it. And so I pushed it down. And so then there was this like void, there was this block, there was, so I needed to like cover it up even more by like way overheating just like chocolate from my Christmas stocking so that I couldn't feel it. I didn't want to feel the discomfort of the amount of shame that I was internalizing. And so similarly goes, if you're trying to control and restrict, uh, I'm going to take this, the suppression, shame, controlling, restricting, I guess I was talking about sexuality, but I'm mostly going to now go into just specific around food. so with controlling and restricting. And if you're listening to this podcast, I have a hunch you have done a fair bit of dieting in your life, or you've tried to restrict your calories, count your calories. You've tried to control, you know, what what it is you're eating. And what happens is then you that actually is like not healthy behavior at all, trying to restrict what we're eating, trying to restrict and control your appetite. It's its usually going to, you're going to like, maybe you're successful for a period of time, but then it's going to lead to often binging behaviors, like compulsive eating, the binging, the purging, like really unhealthy disordered food relationships, because you're restricting and controlling. You're, you're trying to suppress your body's own innate intelligence around it being able to self-regulate its cravings and what it needs. And so my invitation is to really like if a craving comes up for something, the craving being for, I don't know, chocolate chip cookies. That's my, I used to call them like a guilty pleasure or like my, my downfall and even that i don't use that languaging anymore because that's almost saying like i'm giving my power over to the chocolate chip cookies like oh i have no power over chocolate chip cookies i just can't control myself over them and that's untrue because too when i'm operating from that mindset and then let's say "Hmm, i'm gonna buy some chocolate chip cookies and i'm gonna eat them but i'm eating them in this subconscious or maybe very conscious state of feeling guilty of feeling like I just can't control myself, I can't help myself. That's where my focus is going. That's where my attention is going, versus actually being able to really enjoy the cookie and eat the cookie and like enjoy each bite. And when you can eat in that way of like really being present and enjoying like. The like, maybe it's melted chocolate chunk, right? And like the way that that feels in your mouth when you bite into the cookie, um, that's going to increase your levels of satiation because you're having a more sensual, sensory experience. You're more present. You're not only digesting and eating the food, but you're fully chewing it, you're smelling it, you're present with it, and you're not feeling wrong. eating it. You're not giving the food power over you. You're not feeling helpless to the food. And so similarly, like any, you know, this can apply for food. This can apply for cravings for outside of food, of sex or wanting more in a relationship or wanting more in a career, wanting more from a friendship when we have that craving for something, a hunger for something again, it's usually telling us something. And so what's important here, I believe is to little by little, not judging yourself. If you know, you, you don't always do this, right. If you have times where you want to control or restrict, or you want to try and suppress, like, again, we need to do our best to not judge ourselves, to not make ourselves feel wrong. Because, again, that's only going to just keep repeating this uncomfortable, um, destructive cycle. And so instead, to if you're having a craving for something that may or may not be in your highest self-interest, that might not be in your um, overall, like, well-being interest of, like, your well-being of health. So you're not sure if you should do it or not instead of going into, oh, I'm so wrong, or like, oh, here's this craving again, what am I gonna do? Can you pause for a moment? Can you allow yourself to take a breath? And can you get curious? Can you get curious, what is this What is this craving wanting to tell me? Maybe it's for a substance right? Maybe it's for alcohol or cannabis or another substance. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. It's the opposite of all of this intention, but are also, you know, often we can go into wanting to grab and grip into addiction of substances or using substances to numb or to cope. And so if we can even just take a moment to get clear of okay, I'm craving this certain thing or things or I'm craving this action or I'm craving this experience. So then get curious underneath the craving after you're clear of what it is that you're wanting. Why is it that you are wanting that thing, that experience? Like why, what is it that you are hoping that it will give to you? There's always something that when we have a craving, we're craving it because we believe it's going to make us feel a certain way. And so you can help slow down the trade of feeling compulsive in nature around cravings, again, with time, with patience, with dedication, by inviting in these breaths, inviting in this state of gentle curiosity, inviting in this opportunity to reflect of what is it that I maybe think this thing is going to offer me, is going to help me in feeling. And then once you're clear on that, you can go into, okay, in this moment, is this what I most need? Is this what I most want? Is this going to be supportive? And then see what the answer is. It might be yes. It might be no. It might be a little bit. Maybe there's another way you can get to that feeling, but then you can make a more informed, empowered choice. And you're not suppressing the craving. You're not like controlling and restricting yourself. Instead, you're inviting your attention and energy and focus back down and within yourself into you and getting more clear of what it is it that, that you need? What is it that you want? And being able to make a choice from this empowered state so that whatever choice it is you making you're not feeling guilty you're not feeling wrong you're making the choice because you want to make it and so then you can feel good about it and enjoy it and be present with it and receive more satiation so the key here is to notice and allow without judgment, your wants. So you have to clear away any judgment that what you want or what you desire is wrong. Because if you're already operating from that place of what you're wanting is wrong, it's going to be really challenging to really dive in deeper and discern from a more empowered, clear place what's best for you in that moment. Hey, it's Emily, and I wanted to interrupt this episode briefly to let you know about a free opportunity to have a one-on-one call with me. And so if you are like with this episode, and as we're talking about cravings and compulsiveness and suppression and restriction and controlling, if you are finding and seeing how in your life you are doing that a lot, like you're really restricting food or you're compulsively overeating, I would highly encourage you to take me up on this offer. So, it's a free call. It's an embracing radical embodiment call. You can schedule the call with me by looking at the link in the show notes or go to my website, which is radicalembodiment.com. And where it says somewhere on the homepage, work with Emily one on one. If you click on the schedule your call, um, it should take you to where you can schedule your call with me. Um, or you can just drop me a message from there if you can't find the link and we'll schedule that, but in the call, I will really help you in helping to just slow down this like mental exhaustive loop of this constant trying to restrict constant, trying to control and help you get more clear of what is this next step, this next practice, this next part of your body that is going to most support you in being able to move and operate and create choices and behaviors from a more empowered, aligned, present place versus feeling like you are victim to habituation Mm -hmm. and compulsiveness and all of that. So this is huge work. This isn't easy work, but I've been there I know what it's like, and that's why I want to hold your hand and guide you in the process. And so that that is why I'm inviting you into this Embracing Radical Embodiment call. I hope you take it up with me. It's a 45-minute call, one-on-one, just you and I on the phone. So I hope to connect with you in that way. And now back to the episode, Tap Into Desire. And so I invite you now to... You can reflect on this question now you can reflect on it as you move about your day and as you move about your week of what are you resisting? And I imagine most of us are familiar with the expression of what you resist persists. So what are you resisting eating? What are you resisting feeling? And what are you resisting from expressing? And again, often the reason we're resisting from the eating level, from the feeling, from expressing is because there's some underlying belief of if we really feel that, or if we act on that, or if we express that, that we are going to be made to feel wrong or we're going to like not belong to the tribe. And so we resist it, but resisting restrictions, restrictions build rigidity both physically in our structure, in our tissue and in our, in our mental, like linear, like in our pathway, our mental, Ways of thinking. And so when we're operating, of just trying to resist and creating more restrictions in our life, trying to control ourselves more, that creates more narrowing of our minds and more linear ways of thinking. And again, so instead of getting, of resisting, get curious. Get curious of going underneath a little bit instead of just operating from habituation or operating because you feel wrong. And so I'm going to read one other section from chapter eight, which is also titled tap into desire of my book, radical embodiment. Um, and this section is titled permission and desire. So we are humans in human bodies, living a human experience. Human stuff happens, life's tough. Soften the grip and give yourself some room. Grant permission for gluttony and for self-soothing. Give yourself permission to feel what you feel. Want what you want and to eat what you desire. Allow yourself to be okay with your body as is. Tell yourself it's okay to let go of the incessant chore of fixing your body's appearance. Grant yourself the right to experience more pleasure. When you give yourself permission, There is a relaxation that happens. It allows for more ease. You will experience greater ease in your thoughts and in your body. The more you own your desires and sit in how good it feels when you connect into them. Because you aren't suppressing your wants, you will have more space. Instead of being tight and restricted, kind of like a rubber band, you will have more room inside emotionally and physically, more space to make a different choice, one toward loving and honoring your body. So instead of punishing your body for being wrong by creating more restrictions, What if you indulged in it? How would it be if you went into full on luxuriating mode? What if you became a glutton for your body? Not superficially with exterior indulgences like food, sex, or alcohol, but with internal sensual satiation. Your options to celebrate your body are limitless. The important thing is your intent. The gesture of treating yourself this way has more to do with your attitude than the activity itself. Taking a bath can be a sacred gift to the self, or it can be another should, adopted from some self-care list. So when was the last time you showed your body some love? And so to kind of expand upon that section that I just read of permission and desire. And as I shared the beginning of this episode, tap into desire, what I want to help inspire and shed light on is how you can utilize your desire to support you in increasing your life force focus clarity and so as from the top, from the section i just read and what i'm encouraging and kind of what i'm meaning by that is instead of suppressing or bypassing or pushing down or just operating by controlling or restricting and said you're really letting yourself feel your craving, be with your craving, be with your desire. And that doesn't mean that you will act on it. You might act on it, you might not. But you get to build and increase your capacity to be with the desire of what you want. And so you're just inviting more of like a dropping in and being with it. And usually, as long as you have cleared the judgments of any of your desire being wrong, that's important to do that first. Then usually, if you're sitting in your desires of what it is you want and feeling into them, it feels really good. Energetically, it's a more expansive state that you will be in. It can help to increase like your life force. And by life force, I mean like your energy, your vital, like vitality. And so my encouraging takeaways for you would be if you have a craving for something that historically you've named as wrong or you have tried to control or restrict yourself around to First, notice. Second, do your best to clear any judgment around that and come from a more neutral mindset. And then three, get curious. Get curious around why it is that you are wanting this thing or this experience. And then feel into the felt sense of what that experience would feel like, what it would bring you. And this could be a practice that maybe if there's something you're really struggling with on a daily level of like craving really intensely and it's something that would be destructive in nature to you if you acted on it, I would encourage you to do this practice every single day and do it in a little bit of a longer setting, you know, just like t- even like 10 minutes. But this can and like every day because it is it is a practice, right? And so it's important to Um, Be able to really shift our relationship with anything to be consistent and dedicated and patient with ourselves in the process. Um, But then you can also do this practice more quickly, like in the moment, Um, especially if you have had a practice where you're doing this in the morning. So you have a little more skill um, behind it where say you open the refrigerator door or you... Or wanting to just compulsively grab a drink because it's four or five p.m. Again, nothing is wrong with any of these behaviors inherently, um, and so. But it's important to be able to take a moment so that we're not operating from habituation and compulsiveness, and instead are operating and creating our choices in our life from an empowered and aware state. And tapping into that desires, those desires we feel in a way that can then actually promote more growth and more forward progress and expansiveness versus suppressing and shutting down and dimming down those desires um, or trying to control them, which is going to lead to more contraction, rigidity, and more like just scarcity mindset. And then lastly, since the section permission and desire, I read, I I ended with, when was the last time you showed your body some love? So one, all of that, that practice that I just encourage you to, to try on and try out that alone can be a beautiful practice for some body love. But I also like what, you know, I would love for you to this week, this today, sometime in your, you know, recent coming experience to have a practice where you really are giving your body some love. And I could give examples, but I also would love like you to what is something that for you individually, you know, really brings you love that really makes like fills you up so much. Um, and so I will give you examples of mine just to give some framework and context. Um, but I'm not sharing them with the intention of you then being like, okay, this is what Emily does to feel good. So I should do it too. Um, I don't want you to be operating from that sense, um, because then it just becomes another should, and it won't fill you up the same way. But so for me, like my current list of pleasure givers or my like way of really like, showing my body some love. Ways that fill me up is I love float tanks. Um, So like sensory deprivation tanks. I love those. I have several playlists on Spotify that I have made myself that sometimes at the end of a long day um, or just being out and then I'm home, you know, alone for the first time and to help myself kind of regroup, I'll just put one on and I'll listen to, you know, one, two, three songs, just reclining back, listening, enjoying the music. I find that really lifts me up. Um I love to like lay on tennis balls on my ground. That feels really good to my body. It feels really nourishing. It feels pleasurable. I love to be in warm water. So that could be a bath. It could be taking myself somewhere where I can be at a hot spring. And I love like nature I find nature to be really regulating to be something i desire more in my experience to kind of help fill that desire pull um in dancing i love to dance and so that also is something that if i'm noticing i'm feeling pleasure depleted or starting to crave things that might make you know crave things like oreos or um something else that might give me a quick dopamine hit Um, of what else also feels really good and might help me receive a little bit more dopamine. Um, This is not a conversation around dopamine, but if you are curious to learning more about dopamine, strongly recommend, encourage you to check out um, Andrew Huberman. If you don't know, listen to him already. He has a podcast, very popular, Huberman Lab, H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N is his last name. If you search that anywhere, you'll find it. And in the last month, he had an episode Specifically around dopamine that went into a lot of the science, um, which was really, I found it really fascinating. Um, But that aside, the reason I just shared those like pleasure givers, those desire givers, is more to also just set the framework of aside from connecting to cravings, being curious about cravings, then separately also having times when we're really filling ourselves up. When we're giving our body pleasurable experiences that are pleasurable to us uniquely you know it could be movement it could be going out to the movies it could be a really you know expensive fancy dinner that's really rich in taste um you get to choose but i find that the more we do that with intentionality also then it's like we're having more pleasurable experiences throughout our day um and so we're not quite as like depleted or like needing in that department. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of tap into desire. Um, Please let me know. I would love to hear from you. if, If this resonated with you, if you had your own story from it that you wanted to share, or if you, you know, do the practice I invited you to do and really tap into your desire, what gets uncovered for you? What do you get to move beyond in that? and as always if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe please share with your friends your family your community on social media that's how i am currently just growing this through word of mouth and so would be deeply grateful for you if you shared and also one last thing if you resonate with the episode if you are struggling struggling with craving and in that loop of compulsiveness and feeling just really bad about yourself and bad about your body. And in that web of shame, I would invite you and encourage you to please schedule an embracing radical embodiment call with me. These embracing radical embodiment calls are free. They're 45 minutes. It's a one-on-one conversation, just you and I, and in the call, I will support you in one we'll uncover of what's really going on like underneath the surface that is the most important next thing that will help you in being able to slow down that compulsive train and being able to come back to yourself with a little bit more ease. And I'll give you at least one takeaway tangible practice um, to support you in making the shifts right away. So the link um, is in the show notes. You can also go to my website, RadicalEmbodiment.com and drop me a message there or um, somewhere on there. I also have where you can schedule a call with me. I think if you click on the work with Emily one-on-one, but I would be honored to support you in that way. So do go schedule your Embracing Radical Embodiment call with me. And thank you for tuning in to Radical Embodiment, the podcast. And cheers to all of us getting to choose to celebrate the skin we're in more and more every single day. So much love.